Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Dominic Patton. And I'm Anthony D'Alessandro. And this is the Deadline Podcast, Hero Nation. Today, we'll be talking about what happened at CinemaCon, and we're talking with the star of Fear of the Walking Dead and this weekend's Candyman, Coleman Domingo. But before we do that, Anthony mentioned we're going to talk about what went down in Vegas, because what happens in Vegas doesn't always stay in Vegas. We're also talking about Scarlett Johansson and Disney, which we saw, just very briefly, we saw last weekend, basically a week ago today, at midnight, Disney, via their uh, lawyer, Daniel Petricelli, um, filed a response, and their response to Scarlett's uh, lawsuit about the uh, the deal that saw Black the much delayed Black Widow also on Disney Plus the same day it was released in theaters is we're taking this to arbitration. That's what we want. Of course, there was yet more. I don't want to say mudslinging, but let's just say mudslinging because that's what it was in terms of referring to Scarlett and her lawyers as using gamesmanship and all sorts of stuff like that. Scarlett Johansson and her lawyers responded, accusing Disney of being misogynistic and also saying, we're, you know, we will fight this in court. This thing's going to go on honor. Will it end up in arbitration? I think so, to be honest. If this was being, if this had been filed in Georgia, where some of the movie was filmed, or places like Alabama, maybe not. But this is, there's an action happening here, obviously in LA. There's an action happening in New York. Those judges are going to probably put this in arbitration. Where the rest of it goes, if you've been reading my stories about it, I call it the Cuban Missile Crisis of, of Hollywood deals. I just say to you, remember how the Cuban Missile Crisis ended. And that's as far as we're going to go on that. Before, though, if we're talking about Cinecom, one very, one very interesting point about this. The judge in the case has is more than likely going to change. The judge, it come turned out, the judge that was appointed is a former partner in the same law firm that Daniel Petricelli and the other outside lawyers ah. at Disney are in. In fact, he actually receives $100,000 in, in um, pension and, and what happened. Oh my God. Yeah. Holy geez. Now, now, he stopped working at O'Melvy in 2005. So like, this isn't like it was on Thursday, but he, re- he recognizes, and this has been brought to his attention, that this does seem like when you're getting $100,000 a year, that you might have a conflict. And the judge has been honest about this. He has basically told both parties that unless you come to me by September 10th, both of you, and say, we don't think you should leave, I'm out of here. So you might, we might all see this case kick back a little bit as they have to appoint a new judge who has to get up to speed, et cetera, et cetera. Or on October 15th, we're going to find out if this is going to go to arbitration or not. And with that, please tell us what went down in Vegas, my friend. Well, yesterday was, oh my God, there was a luncheon. You know, the day's winding down. Paramount had, um, they, they showed this great behind the scenes footage of Tom Cruise from Mission Impossible 7 and his next big stunt, which entails taking a motorcycle off a cliff in Norway. Um, and Does then that mean, sh- that when you say that, do you mean a fjord or do you mean a cliff? 
It's a cliff. It's a cliff. There's a lot of clouds beneath this cliff. I, yeah. I, I couldn't really see the fjord underneath it, but it, it's pretty amazing. And he apparently did it six times during filming. And he goes off, he jumps off this ramp with a bike, drops, drops the bike, and then parachutes. And but in between dropping the bike and parachuting, there's a bit of free fall. It's pretty amazing. And and on the first take, Christopher McQuarrie looked like he was gonna like pass out. It was pretty funny. So anyway, you guys, you know, CinemaCon is is a is is the Lollapalooza of uh, <laughs> Well, I would even say that more and more because I got to be honest with you, you're a braver man than I am because I wouldn't have gone into that in the in the middle of a Delta variant surge. But yeah, so praise be. Um, There was a lot of stuff dropped. Obviously, the Matrix four got a huge amount of attention. Other ones. So in your opinion, what was significant about this? How important do you think the flag waving that everyone did is of like, we got to get back into the movie theaters? Um, and what do you think, what did you think was the best thing you saw? Okay. So on the flag waving, I think this pep rally, you know, I'm very pro theatrical Dominic. Uh, this whole pep rally was absolutely necessary. Um, some people didn't show up, but a lot of big wigs did. Tom Rothman, the head of Sony did, uh, Joe Drake, the head of Lionsgate did, the heads of exhibition, Mookie Gradinger of Cineworld and Adam Aram at AMC. Um, the best thing I saw, believe it or not, Matrix uh, Resurrections. What uh, Matrix 4? Matrix 4. Looks phenomenal. Wow. And what's interesting is I keep hearing that the deal between Village Roadshow and Warner Brothers isn't sewn up yet. Oh. And there might be this movement to push Matrix 4 to next year uh, theatrically pure theatrically instead of a theatrical HBO Max debut um, in late December. But then I keep hearing that Lana Wachowski wants to get paid this year. Uh, But I'm curious, this is, you know, what's really important is this is the start of rebooting a franchise. And a lot of these theatrical HBO Max movies are just going and you know, there's yeah. a lot riding on Dune, apparent, which they showed. They showed a whole sequence uh, from that with Timothy Chalamet and Josh Brolin boarding a freighter. That's another thing that's going to fire. Say the way you describe that is the least dramatic scene you could ever show from a Dune. <laughs> I mean, it was a lot of desert. It was a lot of desert, lot of desert. freighter. Dude, there's a rumbling a in the desert. desert. I thought it was the worm. It's not the worm. I think it was. It was just a freighter taking off. Um. Matrix 4 looks amazing, though. Matrix 4, Neo is in this kind of near-future San Francisco, and he meets up with Trinity, and they it's like their whole lives have been rebooted. They don't know each other. Oh. It, it's, it's a complete reboot, it looks like. You know, he's taking the pill all over again. Uh, it's almost like the first one, but in a different way. You know, it's dealing with these two people used to know each other, and now it's almost like their brains have been swiped. I loved it. And then um, Spider-Man No Way Home, brilliant. You talk about how many Spider-Mans there's been. This really raises it to the next level. It's all twisted multi-universe, Doctor Strange. Peter Parker, as you see in the trailer, Peter Parker goes to ask for a spell. 
from Doctor Strange so that everybody can forget that Peter Parker's Spider-Man and everything goes sideways. Um, and it looks fantastic. Doc Ock shows up. Supposedly, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man's supposed to show up, but there's no sign of that in the first yeah. trailer. It feels like, you know, there was just, there was so much drop. So, you know, and the Spider-Man trailer did get dropped in the real world and was hugely successful. One of the most viewed trailers around. It, it feels like, though, why are they holding back and showing people what they showed you guys? Well, sometimes, you know, when they hold back, they... This is normal for CinemaCon. They will show it exclusively to exhibitors, but because of where the film is, wherever it is in the marketing campaign, they could conceivably hold back. It's very rare that something that's shown in the Coliseum Theater also drops on social media. But however, with Spider-Man No Way Home bound to come out this December, they dropped the trailer, which was fantastic. Surprised that Warners didn't do so with Matrix, uh, I guess they're going to wait a bit. Again, the deal's not done. Very interesting. Um, and, you know, a, a few years ago, Warner Brothers did drop, and this is when CinemaCon was back in March, several months before its release, uh, the first trailer for It, Chapter One. Yeah. And it did phenomenal, phenomenal on social media. And it was a great indicator that that movie was something special. That it was think, bound to be this blockbuster horror. With everything that's happened over the past year and a half and more, and I know you're a big fan of theatrical, but we're not going to get into that again because yeah. we both know where we stand on that. Was there anything you saw there that you looked at with everything you know as Deadline's box office guru and the realities of, of the, bit, the marketplace right now? And obviously Matrix is going to also play probably on HBO Max simultaneously. Was there anything you looked at and you went, that's going to be a blockbuster? Oh, hell yeah. Well, definitely Spider-Man No Way Home and Bond, No Time to Die. No, uh, everyone was excited about, you know, the other film, every, believe it or not, it, exhibition was extremely excited about, and they showed it there. I didn't get a chance to see it. I had to cut out and file, was Ghostbusters Afterlife. A yeah. lot of people called it a Steven Spielberg-like movie from Jason Reitman. Um, Son that, of original director. Yeah, just that just improved upon the previous Sony all-femme reboot by Paul Feig for, for Ghostbusters. They loved it. I was really uh, floored to hear really? how excited they were about it. But dude, everybody loves Ghostbusters. Yeah, but what's funny is it's such a tricky franchise because the original, you know, you got Bill Murray and there's a whole Marx Brothers routine going on. And it had this great anarchistic sense of, of comedy. And if you think about it, uh, wonderful in its time, this kind of, you know, crossbreed of comedy and kind of an event film as we know it. And Feig's version just didn't bring the funny. I mean, I had no problem with an all-fem reboot, but Paul Feig and Melissa McCarthy... I wanted to see her throw tantrums again about getting slime on her and stuff like she didn't spy. And that just didn't happen. Mm -hmm. it, it really fizzled. And this, they take this Spielbergian take and it's a continuation of the original 84 film. And interesting that everybody is on board with it. So all eyes on Ghostbusters Afterlife. Sony definitely held it. 
which also is a testament to them for theatrical because they've been dumping a lot of stuff to streaming to make money. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, having said all that, we're going to talk about theatrical, and we're actually going to talk about something that's in the theaters today. Actually, last night, which did very well, according to you. Yes. Uh, the story you put up on Deadline. Um, Anthony teased it before. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Coleman Domingo, the star, one of the stars, of the Jordan Peele executive produced Candyman. Hey, it's good to be here with you, Dominic and Anthony. Good to see you guys. Okay. Good to hear you guys. So, <laughs> I have, we're going to talk about everything Candyman. We're going to talk about all the stuff. The first thing I want to ask you is, are we going to see a Candyman sequel? You know what? I, anything's possible. I feel like it's uh, the ending dangles a little bit. So I think a it leaves bit. it. It leaves it possible. I, it's funny, the, the moment, you know, I won't, I won't give any spoilers about what my character does, but I thought, I don't know, maybe he could continue to live on in some way. I don't know. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think, I, go for it. I just think that this is, of, of all the films that Jordan has executive produced or directed or whatever, this one clearly with that ending, and again, we won't spoiler, but the movie's out now. You should go see it for sure. Uh, definitely like wear something to cover your eyes with because you'll get freaked out. Um, is um, there's definitely the possibility for this to go further. I think there is, but I think it's also, you know, anything that is just, I mean, I think the storytelling is just great. I think the appetite for a Candyman sequel, I had no idea the appetite, people were so thirsty for it. Now that it's here, people are like, oh man, I loved it 30 years ago and I've been waiting for this. And there's been other, you know, uh, other sequels of it, but they didn't pretty much add up, I think. So I think people are really hungry for it, especially through the lens of uh, Jordan Peele and also Nia DaCosta, who's a phenomenal young director. She's brilliant. Yeah. So I think that hopefully they're tapping into something that is unique and fresh about uh, the storytelling of Candyman. So I think anything's possible and I'd be down for it. Coleman, when you received the script, did you talk with Nia? Did you talk with Jordan? How is it explained to you how William Burke was going to be incorporated in this new lore? It was, it was given to me in pieces in a way. First, Ian Cooper from Monkey Paw sent me, um, first he sent me a message and he said, hey, Jordan has been writing this role with you in mind. And I thought, oh, well, what is it? And he didn't give me much information. But he said, he's you know, some guy from a neighborhood um, and I thought, okay, it doesn't matter to me what Jordan writes, I'll be a part of it, it doesn't matter. So then, then I finally get the script and I read um, about, I think the character had a different name before actually. And oh, really? um, he had a different name. I think he was, I think it's the same name as sort of the storyteller, the person of lore from the one before. I don't know what, oh. but I think it was, it was a different name. But, um, and I read it and I thought, oh, this is an interesting character. He wasn't fully fleshed out yet. I think it was sort of the beginnings of it. And then they sent me this, the, another draft. And I thought, oh, this is a very interesting character. Now, to be honest, I just read what William Burke was doing. I had no idea. I think maybe I'm a little, you know, dim. I had no idea that William Burke was also Billy, Billy in the very beginning. 
of the film. I, I have a question. Had yeah. you seen yeah. the original or or what? At that time, I had not. Like, I, 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 I wasn't a horror fan, which is odd to be on a show like that. Man, you're, you're in Fear of the Walking Dead. I know, dude. I, I, just, I, like, I like stumbled into that. what 99% of the horror fans in the world look at. <laughs> well, I tell you, though, I stumbled into that show, too. I feel like my whole career is, like, stumbling into things like, what is this? You know, but then, then seeing how I can be useful in some way. So I, I wasn't a horror fan, but then once I was, once I was cast, I immediately watched it actually watched it in a um in wardrobe because it was very hard to get a, it's very hard to get a copy of candy man yeah you know that? yeah so yeah. i watched it on a is it DVD. not is it not available on streamers no uh, no at I least i think it might have been a polygram film it's like yes. it was i remember or a gramercy film and it was just yeah it, yeah it's hmm. kind you, of you, you you can get it on betamax or something like that exactly you know? <laughs> so basically i watched it on a on a dvd uh in my wardrobe fitting I sat on the couch and watched it because that was the only way I can get it. Okay, can and we ask was, you wardrobe fitting for what project? For Candyman, actually. Oh, oh, you were watching yeah. in real time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So by the time I was cast and I was and I went to my first wardrobe fitting, they were I was like, I need a copy of this, and it was really hard to get. So they so I finally watched and I thought it was like it was really cool. I just thought like it's really beautifully shot and all the themes in it, just awesome. And then I oh, loved what I we were doing. Mm -hmm. I want to talk. I know, Anthony. You guys had a great opening night, by the way, on Thursday, and and obviously that 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 only pertains well for where this is going. But I want to talk a little bit. We're not going to give any Candyman spoilers away. I'm sure many of you have seen the original, and many of you are going to go see this one. But there's one element of this that's very unique to this version, which is is the discussions about race and gentrification, and an analysis of 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 well, analysis. Art. I don't know. It sounds pretentious. Exploration yeah. of of how that involves uh, and how that works. Coleman, obviously that has been a big part of your career, talking about these issues, portraying these issues. Yeah, and I, I, it, it oh, I was gonna say I, it has. And I think it's like, it's not something that, I, I don't know if I was completely intentional about that being a part of the things that I do, but I'm, it, I know that's what I'm drawn to. I feel like I'm drawn to great stories, something that is something, saying something about who we are and the state that we're living in and how we can possibly be better. And I think it, that's why it stretches genres as well. That's why I'm doing all these different things. So I think that I love that this film is not just a slasher film and it's not just, you know, somebody with a mask on chasing after some white woman in the woods. I love the fact that it's actually talking about the terror that we have within in our culture and our society. And I think that's the true horror right now. I think that I love the fact that Jordan is really examining the horror, the day-to-day -day horror of like people of color, of women, of disenfranchised people. Like the, that's horror. And you, you, yeah. you, you serve that up, you can tell a great story and make it more, you know, it, it can be relatable to everyone. So you can unpack everyone's terror and fears, you know? I think that's Well, I mean, cool. and that, that's, one of, that's one of the most powerful things about genre filmmaking or, or genre in any fashion, which is, you know, you can use the medium to have a larger discussion. I mean, there's there's a school of thought, for instance, that talks about Star Trek or Battlestar Galactica as being discussions about collectivism and socialism, you know, and those yeah. are not yeah. illegitimate discussions. Um, no, I think you're right. I mean, this is something that it's a genius of Jordan. I mean, Jordan's genius is immense and vast, um, but it is it, the ability to do this with, with what I feel. And, and I wanted to get a sense from you. And clearly you guys are pals. You've made, this is like, Candyman's your second project with Jordan? You did Twilight Zone? 
Oh, I did Twilight Zone. Yeah, I did Twilight Zone as well. Yeah, I yeah. always forget that. Yeah, I did Twilight Zone. Yeah. <laughs> I always like to say, Coleman Domingo, a man whose resume is is just slightly more prestigious than his home. <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to go and look this up on Google. Look, Coleman Domingo Architectural Digest. And that is all we will say for our ad for Architectural Digest today. <laughs> That's our only plug for them. Yeah. That's our only plug for that in your home. But but you know what I mean? So I wanted to get a sense from you is, is how how do you think that that, that works? Do, do, I always wonder, do you think the message gets across or the conversation even? I think it does. And I think that what I've been, you know, I've been watching every so often, I will go on Twitter and to see how it's, people are re reacting to the film just a little bit, because I think Twitter is also like going into the garbage can and you, you'll, you never know what you're going to get and something may mm -hmm. offend you. It may be stinky, but so, but I go in there once in a while and I did in the past couple of days just to see how people were responding. And it's funny, overall people are like, oh, this is great. I love how we can talk, talk about these things and unpack this in this genre. And then there's every so often one or two comments of people saying, well, why do you have to, it has to promote an agenda in some way. I'm like, everything's promoting an agenda in some way. Everything, mm -hmm. every, you know, that film is an act of, you know, civil disobedience in some way, I, <laughs> you know? I think it is, and I think, but it's funny when people think that like people are trying to shove an agenda, like, no, we're just trying to talk about things that matter to us and things in, and serve it up in, the, in an entertainment, which is, that's what film is. That's what television is. You know, to, you know, like when we were talking about Fear the Walking Dead a second ago, where Fear the Walking Dead is basically just a family story. And it's just like, how do you come together when there's a common enemy? It's, just, it's they're always about larger themes. And hopefully, whether people want to just get a little entertainment, that's fine. If something seeps into the back of their mind and makes them think a little differently, that's the goal. I don't think it's about you like walking away feeling like, oh, I'd have to be a better human and march for this or promote this. I think it's just say, like, hey, you, it's like a great album. Uh, hopefully there's a song that will hit you real hard and you'll, it'll stick with you, you know? You directed three episodes of Fear of the Walking Dead. Can we expect more? Yes. <laughs> yes, you can. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, 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 I'm also, I guess I can talk about it. Yeah, I'm also going to be a producer uh, in the next season as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's great. That's a scoop. I haven't told anybody that. So it's a scoop to you guys. Okay. We, we always love we always love scoops. That's our that's our that's our bread and butter. But let's talk about that for a sec. Um now Victor Strand kind of thought he was a good guy for a couple of seasons, turned out to be a really not good guy. <laughs> you know what though, but I think that's very human. I think he's always lived in the gray. And I think that's actually more honest. Than people trying to be, you know, just saying they're all so pious and good. I think people always have the capacity for good or evil. And I think that that's what I've been interested in exploring with Victor Strand. It's like once they swung him in a one direction and made him caring and heartful, I thought that was great. But I thought that that's not the complete human being. I yeah. think what's interesting for a character, and I think that's part of the reason why he's been, he's one of the last survivors um, from season one is because he's so complicated, which is what, you know, I think what we are as human beings. And I think that's why people are tuning in and because they want him to do good. They see that he's capable of doing terrible things, but people tune in because they root for him. They're like, come on, Victor, you can do it. Well, you know, you guys, you guys have been on for several seasons. You're, you're coming back. Um, what is it like for someone? I I'll, I'm going to tell a quick story. So a couple of years ago, uh, Coleman and I were at the Sundance Film Festival. 
and there's an event at the Sundance Film Festival, which is uh, one. It's on their. It's on the opening night actually, and it's called Artists at the Table. Mm. And uh, I Coleman was it Sundance 2020? I think it was just. It was the 20. Pandemic. It was the last one. It was the last yeah. one. Yeah. Coleman got up and gave. Usually people get up and give speeches, obviously Redford and a few others. Um, and Coleman got up and you gave a beautiful speech. And I remember, cause I was next to your table. I don't know if you remember. And, and we, uh, you talked about, you had, you had some projects in the festival that year, but you talked about as an independent artist, as a struggling uh, performer back in the day and some of the people you worked with. And now you look around this room where there are so many people who are aspiring to, to where you are and how you got there and how, what that meant to you. And I wanted to get a sense from you talking to you in the sense of Fear the Walking Dead. Here's a show that is now going to be going into its seventh season. That's a, that, that is like, that is beyond what most people expect to get out of this industry. Time, yeah. if you don't mind me, five at the very least, you know, like to get on a, a show and then be a regular show. And that's obviously given you a great ability to branch out into Ma Rainey and into Zola. And of course now into Candyman, all sorts of other things. What is that like for you as, a, as an artist to have, that, to have had that experience and to be part of that experience? Well, thank you. First of all, that's, um, it's really unique, but I think it's also just always keeping sort of your eye, I don't wanna say on the prize, that, that's too yeah. cliche, but I feel like it's about staying centered with where you are. And I think that's what my career has been, is just like, I'm just looking at being in the moment and being in service to the moment. I don't know where it's gonna go. I look at from job to job. I'm just saying, I don't know how long it's going to last. I'm going to show that has no, I could be killed off at any time, but it wasn't about that. What can I do with this moment? What can I, how can I help build a really incredible character? How can I develop into a television director? How can I develop into a television producer, develop my relationship with AMC? I look at all of that. And I really Sorry, do, we should do point know out, Coleman, no mean to interrupt. Coleman has an overall deal with AMC Networks that you signed yeah. in 2020. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's all a part of it. It's all building blocks. It's like, I think I, I'm not a person that will, when I walk in the door, I try to see how can I really make the most of every single moment that I have here while I have it here. And I think that's what my whole career has been about. So I, I've invested so much into Fear the Walking Dead and AMC and they've invested in me. But I think that's, and that's what it, it's, I come from the theater and that's exactly what we do in the theater as well. So I know that it's been important to me to bring a lot of practices from the theater to television and film spaces. And I think that's why I'm trying to build it. And even as a producer and executive producer on things um, in that way, with a sense of community that we, so we can all win, you know? The Mothership uh, Walking Dead is going to conclude after its 11th and final mega season. So I guess it yeah. actually is going to conclude sometimes in, sometime in 2023. Um, Norman and Melissa have a spinoff show. Um, is there any chance that we could see a Victor spinoff show down the line? I kind of think so, to be honest. I'll just say, it. I'm gonna put it out there. I actually just pitched that. I thought, you know what? Cause I thought, I don't know how long our show is gonna run. I don't know. It could go eight, nine, 10, 12 seasons. But I think Victor is such an compelling character that he is, I think, deserved of his own sort of universe in a way, like to see how that operates. Because I think he's just, there's a lot, as I've grown with this character and understand this character's quirks and how good he is or how bad he is, I think he's always got so much more story to tell. One minute, you have no idea that he actually speaks Spanish fluently, he can fly a plane, he can yeah. charter a boat. There's, he's like he's like James Bond of the uh, zombie apocalypse. Yeah, <laughs> you know? And I like to see where that goes, you know? Who knows? 
That's kind of the perfect pitch. It's James Bond meets the zombie apocalypse. There we go. Starring, <laughs> starring Coleman Domingo. There we go. Make, let's make it happen, Dominic. All right. <laughs> Anthony, you had a question. Tell us about building out, you know, when you're directing a Fear of the Walking Dead episode. Oh, my God. And you're also acting in the show. What is that? What is that like? What is the crazy of that? Is that... <laughs> Is that a month-long process, or is everything at the seat of your pants deciding what your no. camera, what your Every, camera shot list is? Oh be? no, we, you couldn't do a show like *Fear the Walking Dead* by flying by the seat of your pants. It is it is prep, prep, prep. The one thing I've learned from master directors that I've worked with, um, who I've shadowed, um, not only Michael Satrazimus, who is our producing director, but um, our our former producing director. The one thing I know for sure is that you have to prep. You have to know everything. So we get 10 days of prep and 10 days of shooting. But for our show, our show is unlike any other show on television. It is like an epic film each episode. Yeah, I think it's, you know, because you have stunts, visual effects, special effects, you have deep character storytelling. Um, I love it. I, I think that I've actually been spoiled because I it is like directing a film. Like uh, I think our episodes are like six, seven million dollar episodes. So I'm directing uh, pretty much a feature film every time I direct. And um, so I don't know how good I would be to go and direct something where it's like three cameras in a studio and they're sitting at a counter talking. I think <laughs> I need a little bit more now. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think I need to feel like I won't make my day. And basically Fear the Walking Dead always feels like you feel like you're up against the clock, but you've got to have your prep. We have the most incredible crew. We're, we're shooting in, in Texas and, you know, we're shooting out in the elements and you never know what the hell is happening out there in Texas because one minute it's sunny, next minute it's rainy, next minute it's a, a, a snowstorm. So it's all, that part is flying by the seat of your pants. You can't prep that, but you just have to have a great game plan. <laughs> Before we go, tell us just a little bit more about William Burke for those that are listening in Candyman. This, what? he's a guy who encountered the original Candyman and he's fearful of him, but he's something of a fan of his. He's a little bit of everything. I think that he is um, someone who I think has suffered a lot of trauma in his yeah. youth and feeling sort of responsible in some way for some of Candyman's deeds. Mm -hmm. He knows the power of Candyman. He's so ingrained in the neighborhood. He's also aware of the displacement of his neighborhood. And he finds, I think in his twisted mind, he finds a way for Candyman to come back. Mm -hmm. And, and he, wants to, he wants, because he realized that there's power in this monster that has been built in society in Candyman. It's a lot to unpack. He's working on a few that levels. Put it mildly, it's a lot to unpack. <laughs> <laughs> and possibly, I don't know, maybe possibly, some slight mental illness, possibly. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Ah, maybe, you know? But he's aware of it. The funny thing is he's got a line, and in in, when people go see the film, he has a line in the second act where he's completely aware of exactly how he's spinning, which I think is fascinating for a character. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, my friend, for joining us today. Thank you, Dominic. Thank you, Thank Andrew. You. This has been great. I appreciate you. And Thank remember, you. everyone, Candyman is in theaters right now. So I don't know why you're wasting your time. You should be going out the door yeah. as we speak. Um, <laughs> be safe. Be careful. And of course, Fear the Walking Dead is going to be back for its seventh season in just a little bit um, exactly. this fall. Uh, Coleman yep. Domingo, as always, thank you so much, sir.
Thank you, Dominic. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you. Thanks, as always, for listening to this episode of the Deadline Podcast, Hero Nation. We love having you guys listen to us. We love that you guys love our guests and our chatter. You know, I know we annoy you, but whatever. Make sure you subscribe to us, though, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss a single episode. And of course, you can find all of our breaking news coverage of TV, film, business, and everything affecting our industry at Deadline.com. That's all we got. Talk to you next week. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.